Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Stephen Taylor. How are you two doing? Doing all right. It was really nice to talk to our buddy, Dan Nichols. Yeah. Agreed. I always feel... Like I, I always feel like such a great like family kinship with the four of us whenever we're <laughs> whenever we're chatting together. So it's it's like it's, it's a nice like heartwarming moment in the r- middle of bloody horror. Yes. Yeah. When we talked to Dan last week, which was definitely not like less than an hour ago, um, <laughs> it was great. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, let, let's uh, let's dive into this week's movie, which is a movie that's near and dear to my heart, as it should be yours, and that is Club Dread. Uh, underrated <laughs> masterpiece? Question mark. Uh, yeah, this movie came out essentially after uh, Super Troopers and kind of fills out the Broken Lizard catalog. They made quite a number of movies, including Beer Fest. And uh, other movies that I think either you're you're in on Broken Lizards kind of movies or you're not. Like there's, mm-hmm. a, a, and I think for instance, like yeah, most people probably have seen Super Troopers, but I don't know too many people that have watched some of their other movies, including Beer Fest and uh, this. The Slam and Salmon. Yeah, there's just, just you know, there's a lot of their movies. I think you know, there's obviously the big success of Super Troopers, but. Uh, which was their second movie? There was Puddle Cruiser, which Puddle Cruiser. In yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't released in a in a major format though. Super Troopers was the first one, and then Club Dread would be their second major uh, release. Uh, but also notable that Broken Lizard considers Club Dread to be their funniest film that they've ever made. Which I agree. Club Dread is hilarious. I also, I think part of why I've always enjoyed this movie is that there's so many, like, in-jokes and references to other horror movies that if you're paying attention to, it's like, okay, they're they're being pretty smart with their homages in this. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's just all around a good time. Well, uh, I, I, the funniest, one of the, the homages that makes me laugh the most is the during the campfire scene, uh, the, the story about the... Uh, the um, the employee tripped uh, tricked into having sex with the female dead body, oh, yeah. and then going crazy. That's the that's the almost exactly the backstory for the mur- the killer in Terror Train, <laughs> uh, which uh, turned forty yesterday as we're recording this. Oh, there you go. Um, but yeah, Club Dread. Why we chose it? I I think nobody brings up Club Dread as much as we should. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I guess I forgot the official summary. But yeah, to figure out why, why I chose this movie, I just think no, you know, nobody brings up Club Dread. When you talk about horror comedies, like everyone brings up the same old, same old, like you know, Cabin in the Woods and other stuff, American Werewolf in London. But and I'm not saying Club Dread is nearly as good as those movies. So I don't think it is. 
but I do think that it's at least worth a conversation every so often because it is, I think, relatively well done for what they're trying to do. Um, but the official summary of this movie, I kind of skipped ahead, is uh, years ago, Coconut Pete had a hit record, but now he runs a tropical island resort where he spends his days basking in hedonism with the rest of the resort's offbeat staff. The paradise Coconut Pete presides over, however, becomes a living hell when an unknown killer begins slaughtering the staff as the body count increases. So, too, does suspicion among the survivors. Now it's up to Coconut Pete and what's left of his staff to solve the mystery and stop the bloodshed. Uh, yeah, this is a bit of a mystery, even though I, I don't know how much it really matters. I, you know, the mystery part of it is like, eh, it's it's good. I, I, I think it drives the plot, but it's also like, let's be real. People are probably not showing up to this for the mystery component of, <laughs> of Club Dread. Uh, Especially when one thing that I think this movie does in a good way but also in a comedic way is you don't know who the killer is and at the end of the day it doesn't really matter because yeah. anyone could have a, a funny dumb excuse for being the killer and it would make sense in 100%. this movie basically <laughs> yeah like when um the killer uh reveals himself the the fun police and like he gives his explanation it honestly kind of plays out like an episode of scooby-doo like with the explanation <laughs> yeah. and i'm just like this dude, like, they literally pulled this out of their ass, and I'm, you know what, I'm here for it. Yeah, um, when he, when he, when he goes through his first explanation of being like, "Oh, what's his face? Didn't give me any grass," and then I saw him later, and he totally had it. I was ready to accept that as his excuse, you know. Yeah, for sure, hundred um, percent. Yeah, that's really it. You don't really. I don't think this movie really needed anything like that in terms of a big explanation, but um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, when was the first time you guys watched Club Dread? I saw uh, this in theaters. Nice. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. I just because I would loved Broken Lizard and I just I, I needed to see what was next and I came out of the theater with such a smile on my face. Yeah. That yeah, I mean this it's such a funny movie. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I also saw this in theaters. Uh, I distinctly remember that, uh, you know, I think I took a date to the movie and we were like, what should we watch? And then she's like, well, Super Troopers was funny. And I'm like, okay, this girl's, this girl's a catch. And she's like, yeah, let's watch this, uh, their new movie club dread. And, uh, yeah, I think she was probably expecting that we were going to make out during the movie, but I was like, no, no, I'm here for this movie. Like I'm too <laughs> invested in, in club dread. Probably was not a smart move on my part, but I still, uh, you know, Coconut Pete is the way to be. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I mean, not a terrible date movie considering how many boobs are in this, though. Oh, there's a ton of boobs in this movie. Uh, you could tell, too, that they were like, well, these horror movies have to have boobs, right? Like, that's kind <laughs> of a given, right? It's a staple for sure. Yeah. None of them were Amy aerobics, though. Yeah, they kept her. I'm just kept her clean. Yeah, Brittany Daniel does not show her boobs in this movie. Which, there was probably something in her contract, like a no-boob no clause or something well, like that. Well, she's a former Sweet Valley High twin, right? Like, that's, like, like, I think that she still was playing on a wholesome level, even though, I mean, Amy Aerobics is Amy Aerobics, so it's, like, really, like, hard yeah. to hug that line, but... Yeah, and uh, this movie did bomb at the box office, I should mm -hmm. say it's uh 
It only earned $7.6 million on an $8.6 million budget. Oh, <laughs> that, oh that's is, bad. Which is rough. Like, and I, to this day... You I wasted a million dollars of the studio's budget. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Plus, uh, they never add what the marketing is to that and all that stuff because you got to extrapolate from there. But Yeah. Yeah, it got mixed reviews, but like I don't know. I kind of feel like I don't know to this day I still don't understand why this movie didn't do that well um, the only thing I can really maybe chalk it up to is maybe the studio just didn't think it had a wide release like I don't know if this got a wide release or not but I with the box office that it got I can't imagine it got a wide release but uh, Taylor when was the first time you watched this movie uh, for the podcast actually I think this is another one that I've maybe heard of before but hadn't heard really what it was about mm. uh, so I, I just watched it the, the other week and have you seen any other uh, Broken Lizard movies like Coca-Cola? I've definitely seen uh, yeah I've definitely seen Super Troopers and I okay. love Super Troopers um, and I could definitely I didn't actually even know going into this Broken Lizard I didn't I don't know if I fully put the pieces together in my brain. So it wasn't until I was looking at this movie afterwards that I was like, oh, yeah, Super Troopers. I mean, it makes sense because the actor, the one actor is also in uh, both of those movies, but I never pieced it together. So, okay, yeah. But I love Super Troopers. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I don't think this movie is as memorable as Super Troopers. Like, I can can rewatch Super Troopers any day of the week. Like, just toss it on, smoke a joint, you're set. This is like, eh, this movie's good. I enjoy it, but it's not quite as revisible as... Yeah. I mean, this movie has less structure to it than Super Troopers, right? Like, Super Troopers feels like it has a plot that kind of moves forward, whereas this one is like a bunch of horny people running around trying to avoid being dead, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and lots of, like, in-jokes, and it's it's way more focused on getting those one-liners out, I think. (laughs) Well, I and mean, most of the characters, most of the background characters are all described as sexual deviants. <laughs> yeah. Like, most of all the, the background characters are some kind of sexual deviant. I mean, they were incarcerated for raping a goat or whatever, you know? Yeah, they're, they're all on an island to be sexual deviants, you know? So, so you gotta have... I'm not surprised, I guess. <laughs> I will say this, the accents in this movie are fucking terrible. Like, mm-hmm. I love the actors, but like, uh, Steve Lemmy's Juan, his accent is terrible. Uh, Jay playing Putnam or Putnam, his accent is also terrible. Like, it's just like, I don't know why they chose the accents. Like, I think they could have just dropped that. Like, it was, <laughs> it was pretty bad. Um, but, uh, it, I mean, it definitely, uh, makes sense for, I want to say that the time period that it was, ma- uh, made in though. There are a lot of movies that focus their humor on, you know, other people's accents or things like that. So, yeah. kind of sense. Yeah, silly accents were definitely a thing for a long time. Uh, okay, we got a couple of emails. Uh, Gary says, I like this movie, but like all Broken Lizard movies, its issue is that it's not as memorable or as rewatchable as Super Troopers. Yeah, we touched on this already, but 100%. It's just... it's almost all of their movies kind of fall victim to this even super troopers 2 which i think is not bad it's it's kind of suffers from the same thing it's just not quite in the zeitgeist is how super troopers was Mm -hmm. um although i do i do think 
one of the unsung great parts of this movie that uh, goes unrecognized is Sam Levine in this movie who just mm-hmm. plays like the biggest douchebag and when he's in the pool he's like oh did you feel that that was my dick it's just like <laughs> yeah. it's like such a fucking prick but, that's that's his shtick in a lot of movies I think too he's he's like the weird creepy horny guy yeah yeah but that's one thing well, about I... Super Troopers too like with the whole like those three college kids that they see at the beginning and then at the end. Where it's like, mm-hmm. you could tell Broken Lizard just loves, like, ripping into college kids for some reason. Like, just treating them like the biggest pricks that they are. Which is honestly probably true. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And, I mean, along with Sam Levine, you also have Nate Faxon, who's, like, a really gifted comedy writer that... Uh, I think he even... I think he won a Golden Globe or... A, him and Jim Rash won for The Way Back. Oh, okay. The, the, the Way Way Back, sorry. Uh, and then Greg Sipes is Trevor in this one, uh, who's the guy that uh, is supposedly in a incestuous relationship with his mom. Um, yeah. He's the voice of Beast Boy in Teen Titans Go. Oh, okay. And, and a shitload of others. I think he's also Michelangelo in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles now. Like he's a voiceover guy now. Okay. Oh wow! Nice. Um, okay. Uh, Lloyd says it's a shame that Fox Searchlight has blocked the director's cut from seeing the light of day. Maybe not Disney owns rights. They'll finally release it again. Yes. Uh, I think, uh, the one thing about this that never quite makes sense is that the, yeah, the comedy and the horror parts are definitely sort of mal balanced. Like it doesn't quite feel like the movie is as horror ish as it should be. Mm, it's almost similar to uh, when we talked about Happy Death Day, where it seems like they could have gone a little bit further with the actual horror elements. Because mm-hmm. this one definitely felt like it was mostly a comedy. Um, and and I think because of that, to me, when I was watching it, it felt a little bit long. Like, there were a lot of... I appreciate the comedy, and I laughed a lot during this movie. But it did feel a little long in terms of, like, okay, everyone's dying, and then another person dies, and another <coughs> person dies. And I appreciate there were a couple times that they faked you out, like mm-hmm. uh, when What's-His-Face has the dream that it's him, and then he starts making out with himself. That, like, that made me laugh. But also it's like, okay, I'm ready to kind of see, I'm ready for for the mask to actually be pulled off, you yeah, know? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, but- I'm wondering... I'm wondering, do we know why the director's cut was blocked? Like, is it was it too, like, they, I don't know, was it too many boobs? <laughs> I I think the Broken Lizard guys don't even have an answer to that. All they've basically said is that, like, they want to do a director's cut, but Fox Searchlight just won't allow it. And Fox, oh. like, Searchlight technically owns the movie, so they kind of have to go with what they say. Mm. Uh, but... I mean, the, from the sounds of it, the studio, I think, probably just sides with the fact that the movie is, like, the version of the movie. And, like, why would they release another version? But, you know, we live in a world uh, where people demand cuts of movies because they think that it'll be better. And not always the case, but I, I kind of feel like I'd be curious what a director's cut of this would actually look like. Yeah, me too. Um, Maybe they don't see enough money in it, I guess. No. You know, like I was saying, putting on Disney Plus all early <laughs> House of Mouse could do with a little bit more Club Dread in their catalog. Yeah, I guess some horror. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, something to rival Hoobie Halloween or whatever the fuck that movie is called. I got, I, I, have, I haven't watched it yet. I should say maybe it might be okay, but I, I just, I'm like, no, I'm okay. Have you seen it yet, Steve? No, I have not watched it yet. I, I stopped a, a bit on it. I uh, like for a second on Friday. And then I was just like, I'm just going to rewatch Hill house. <laughs> oh, I did the same thing. I love Hill House. I'm watching I, Bly Manor now too. I I just I I've been ba- I, I've been my Friday was my comfort TV day. I mean the the Vancouver International Film Festival is over. I didn't have any pressing uh, review stuff to look at, and I I've been kind of giving myself a break on it. Like if I'm not super interested in it, I'm not going to watch it right yeah. now. I'm just really burnt out on on a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. So I just had comfort TV day where I went the boys. Hill House, like back and forth, nice. episode to episode. So I managed to do the entire first season of The Boys, uh, and a good amount of the Hill House ones because I've been watching the Blu-ray that I have. This is the director's cut for Ooh. Hill House, which is very cool, cool, and it's got commentaries and stuff with Mike Flanagan. Uh, and then, uh, and then me and the wife finished out the night. I think we watched like fourteen episodes of fucking Thirty Rock. So. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That sounds is, like a good day. Yeah, it was it was a very comfortable day. I because my vacation is now coming to an end as of Tuesday, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it was like sadness. I need to feel better about everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I actually liked Haunting of Bly Manor quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't mm-hmm. finished it yet. No spoilers. No I'm, spoilers. I'm, I'm like. But I did think the character work in it was slightly better than the first season, Haunting of Hill House. So mm. I definitely the, appreciated Hill House more on my second watch through than my first one. The hidden ghosts. All the hidden ghosts in each episode is just is, is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and just all the way that things come together and you watch it without realizing that some of the things you're seeing are ghosts or like are the house hauntings. Anyway, yeah. I could do a whole episode. I could do Ugh. multiple episodes on Hill House. Each, each episode is basically a movie length. So yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And uh, I mean, I the, the thing that blows me away is. Um, I feel like you don't even need to be a horror like you don't even need to be a horror fan to like it because it has such a a rich emotional drama to it as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I bawled my eyes out. It's an incredible um it's an incredible sh- series about the catharsis of grieving that mm-hmm. that really fucking blows me away and and just like uh, it feels like Mike Flanagan just gets it on such a such a deeply human level and mm-hmm. it, it works so fucking well the casting is phenomenal in that mm-hmm. show of people that you've seen before and, and people you haven't seen before and i mean the kids i mean you got lulu wilson uh mckenna grace like all these really accomplished young actors that are mm-hmm. just going to become your a-list in the next uh 20 years mm-hmm. I... well and not even that but just like the the subplots and the way that they treat Mental illness and addiction. Addiction. And like that. Uh, yes. Oh my god. Uh, uh, oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, his character is just. I, I mean that that first that first episode. Like I just rewatched it obviously on, on Friday. That first episode where you're you're dealing with his demons and and his addiction as well is just like holy shit. This is mm-hmm. 
this is all next level stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I could go on a whole rant about all the ways that he was failed as an addict in this show, 100%. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, like the way that, that his treatment center failed him and his family didn't. Like, oh, oh, I've so His treatment Anyways. center tells him not to come back. Yeah, and, and when he asks for other resources, she's like, uh, I don't know, a shelter? Sorry, that's obviously not my job. So, like, oh, yeah. I have so many, I have so many things. One of the things <laughs> I appreciate about the Haunting series is that it works in plot development but also doing character work at the same time in a way mm-hmm. that like really kind of flows and makes sense like i'm thinking of uh blind manor where like there was a tease at the end of one episode where you see somebody with glasses but their eyes were like kind of lit up and you just are like oh what the hell's that about and then you mm-hmm. watch the next episode and you get background for one character and they explain what that was all about and you're like oh okay mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. it's just very like well done in terms of like laying well, out its plot even the the, the mix uh the, the mix uh, of of all those atmospherical feelings um one of the episodes that really comes comes to forefront in my mind is the end of episode two mm. where uh elizabeth research character has already done the mortician work on her sister mm-hmm. and she leaves she leaves to she leaves to go out the door and then her mom is on the table and sits up mm-hmm. with the box with the box with the cat in it and it's just such it's it, like it's it's terrifying yes it's completely terrifying but you can also feel like this like weird weird mother daughter moment in it mm-hmm. as well like it's so it's so crazily layered and i i think that it's going to be really sad because a show like that it's just going to get pigeonholed as horror only yeah especially when you pass over it on on your menu screen which is how a lot of a lot of people discover things Mm -hmm. and it's just going to be like oh look it's just this ghost story no it's so much different than that and i i don't think it comes across in netflix's marketing of it no but uh what a year uh (laughs) oliver jackson cohen's had between um that and invisible, invisible man, man. Yeah. yeah like that dude's primed for some good stuff he wants i hope to so play moon knight in the mcu and i'm all for it so do it do it he has that meant he like especially uh in in hill house he has that ability to because uh, i mean he's very cold and calculated in in his scenes in invisible man mm-hmm. um but to show the manic nature of him and the manic nature at the heart of what Moon Knight is as a character, I think he's perfect. Yeah. And and how at the MCU casts and stuff like you're not. Uh, there's some people that are like you're a massive star, so here's this role. But there are a lot of people that are like, hey, this just works with the character, and I really hope they go well, in that they direction. Cast a total unknown for Miss Marvel, like someone who yes. doesn't have any credits to her name, and it's like yes, yeah. and it's perfect. She yeah. looks. She's gonna be great. She's gonna be so great, and she's Canadian to boot. Yep. Woo. Which I guess we should talk about Club Dread again, eh? Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I kind of forget where we left off at. Oh, we answered uh, Gary's email. All right, and we did Lloyd's too. Okay, so we're done with emails. Um, best line. My favorite was Hank when he said. There's always one fuckhead like you tried to shit in the apple pie. You just shat in the one apple pie that knows how to shit back. Yeah, I, I, wrote, I wrote down that one too. I, I also, this one was hard because I feel like there are so many good 
funny lines oh, that of- at some point at some point you're just typing out the whole script of the movie in mm-hmm. the in the best line. The, the, my favorite one, and I I just want to claim this one as my favorite because it happens two minutes into the movie where uh, the first couple are they go into I think it's the dark haired girl they go into the forest to have sex and she sees the the killer and she stops and he goes hey what about my nipples <laughs> it's just <laughs> it comes out of nowhere i'm not really expecting it at this point because i didn't really i knew this was a comedy going into it mm-hmm. but i didn't know what kind of comedy and that immediately confirmed in my head what kind of comedy this was going to be right oh. uh my i i'm going to i'm going to bring up two mine is uh what's the secret ingredient in coconut pizza paella <laughs> He's like, uh, coconut? Right! Like, it's <laughs> so funny. Uh, and, uh, penelope. Penelope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Penelope. That was good. I like that. Oh, like, this movie's just, I don't know. It's hard to hate this movie, because it's just, it's having so much fun. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, this this is a movie that I, for sure, I feel like, People, people are kind of coming around to it a little bit more, I think, as time goes on. Like, the movie just had its, uh, no, like, 15th anniversary not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there was, like, people on social media being like, oh, fucking love this movie. And I'm like, yeah. Where were you? <laughs> yeah, where were you? Um, yeah, it's it's kind of weird that this, yeah, never did uh, quite as well as it could have. But, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the best performance in the movie, I put Bill Paxton just because. Yes, yeah, 100%. I have to agree. Yeah, like he's no, so great. No offense and, to the Broken Lizard guys, but like you're talking like Bill Paxton, like putting him in a, your movie is pretty much like you admitting, like, yeah, there's no way we're gonna compete with this guy. Yeah, and and the way he can turn on a dime, yeah, too, is, is so great in this movie, and it adds so much more levity to it. I think he's he's ridiculous and it's it's one of i i honestly is one of movie's biggest losses to to lose bill paxton to a uh, a heart surgery that should have gone it should have been in in like in and out and he should have been recovered in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and it's it's tr- fucking tragic it's one of the biggest tragedies in the last 10 years 100 percent. yeah because i remember listening to a podcast that he was on uh, it was like days before he was going in. He's like, "Yeah, I'm just going for surgery, no big deal. I'll be out of it, no problem." And yeah, yeah. It didn't quite work out like that. But no, no. Okay. Um, yeah, Taylor, did you have a favorite performance? Yeah, I, I have to agree with you guys. I the, his performance is the only one that really stands out as a character. I had a lot of fun with the whole way through. Mm-hmm. There were some other characters that. I wasn't necessarily annoyed by them, but by the end of the movie, I was like, okay, I'm okay if they die now. Like, I'm kind of hoping that maybe they're the next one. <laughs> it is, um, yeah. It is kind of an odd choice that Kever, or Kevin uh, Heffernan is the lead of this movie. Because he yeah. doesn't quite strike me as, like, lead potential material. But the thing I like about these uh, Broken Lizard movies is they kind of switch up who's the lead in each of their movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not uh, Jay uh, in every movie. I would argue he's probably the lead in the first movie. Yeah. Um, but like they Thorny. Have, 
Yeah, like he he they switch it up, and I think the that's something like you've got to imagine they're probably like, well, he you were the lead of the last movie, so let's give it to this guy. Like, it, it it's kind of interesting that that that's how it works, but like yeah, in this movie, it's like hmm. Kevin, Kevin's not quite your, like, he doesn't scream, like, lead material, but alas, that's, you know, they give him the lead in this movie, and it, it ends up working well, but it's definitely, like, you don't expect it. You sort of think that, yeah, like, maybe Eric or Steve would be your lead in this movie, but, no, nah, it's refreshing in a way, though. Um, best kill in the movie. Do you have a favorite kill? I liked I liked Sam's death or I guess I don't know if he died at the end. I like that his shtick is kind of like he keeps getting killed by people, but he's still alive and they don't explain it. He just comes back. I think that's like a like the good horror movie trope yeah. to throw in in a in a goofy way though. Um, I I liked I just like when they cut him in half basically right at the end and then he still jumps out of the water and and they do a shot where it's literally a, a, the top half of his body holding on to her as he tries to drag her over it, the edge of the boat i just thought that was hilarious oh yeah it's it's almost like the joke goes on a little too long but it's sort of yeah. totally mm-hmm. in keeping with how like these movies go right like yeah you know you can blow up jason he'll still show up in another movie like yeah, yeah exactly matter. yeah yeah um yeah no uh I, I i do like that kill like when he's just like they're going around and just tying him up uh yeah <laughs> it's, just, it's ridiculous i do like the kill where the girl's driving the golf cart and then the killer just kind of like walks up alongside her and just kills her oh yeah that was good <laughs> i yeah, i would agree with the sam death uh, that's a really good one uh i also love putman getting the machete Mm-hmm. Because it's such a cool, like almost like a trick shot. Yeah, like it, that one really makes me laugh because it's like, man, that killer's precise. And then to get to be revealed as Sam is like, really, the fun police dude. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the first time I watched this, I, I was pretty convinced that uh, Coconut Pete was the killer. So. That would have been great. Mm-hmm. I I almost feel like. Like they're they they had to almost pro- maybe have tried like a clue style, um, ending where where it could have been any of these main characters that did mm-hmm. it, yeah. mm-hmm. and then they just landed on on Sam because his death is just so fucking insane in it too the reveal and the death so yeah yeah for for most of the movie I thought it was uh oh aerobic well I'm forgetting her name now. Amy aerobics. Amy aerobics, especially because they mentioned really early on. Oh yeah, the the she was in this competition, and then this one girl died, and then she got in, and then the, another girl died, and she got in like top position. Yeah, they throw a lot of those things out as red herrings, mm-hmm. but that's yeah, that's the kind of the thing that I love is that you're going through this whole movie going, it could be any one of mm-hmm. these people. Well, because there's something so inherently Scooby Doo about yeah, the movie yeah. right so it, it really could be the mask to be pulled off and be could be old man jenkins you know what i mean like it's, <laughs> there's, there's just so much like it could have been carlos the groundskeeper who fucking yep. knows you know what i mean so it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the greatest thing about it is it does feel that wacky at all times that it really like kurt said at the beginning it could be anybody and it'll still be just as satisfying yeah mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent um yeah, let's see. Uh, dumbest decision in this movie. I mean, there's a lot. 
almost probably so many there's yeah. so many yeah there's so many and i i honestly also think that that's the point yeah um yeah as it could, just could be anybody and yeah everybody's making just ridiculous choices so yeah this yeah. is this was similar to me for best line where even within the first five minutes of the movie I think they're, they're, they're having sex in the woods and they're like, well, we can't just be out in the open. Let's at least go inside the old mausoleum. And I was like, oh, okay, no, 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 no. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, like, it was good though. Like mm-hmm. anything DJ Dave does, any single thing DJ <laughs> Dave does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, I guess uh, also anything, any slight towards Sam is probably going to be my dumbest decision. Not giving weed to him at the beginning of the movie, not mm-hmm. giving the island to him, I guess, is, is probably the biggest one. Which, looking back, is that is that brought up at any point throughout the movie beforehand? Because I feel like the island being given to someone, like, I don't even remember if that was mentioned up until Sam goes, that tells them that is his excuse, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess like I don't know if I had to go like dumb decision. I guess like probably the you know when they have um, Sam tied up and then they just get in close to him and it's like why like you know <laughs> yeah. like why would you do that like just 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 keep driving just keep clinching it a little bit more. Um, yeah. I mean, he though they came out, uh, they came out of it on top. But yeah, I was like, why, why would you do that? Like, you, 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 you haven't confirmed he's died. Like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, cool. I think it's time to rate this movie. Would you guys give this a score of? I'm giving it a nine. I love it. I still love it. It still holds up to me. It's still like, as far as like entertaining. It's it's still massively entertaining. I I get the laughs every time. Nothing. I don't roll my eyes and I'm like, oh, how did I laugh at that before? No, I know why I laugh at this movie. So mm-hmm. yeah. it it didn't pale to me. It, I I thought it might. It it doesn't though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm also gonna go with a nine. Like I just love this movie. I you know it's not a perfect movie, but I think for what they're going for, it works pretty well. I do. I am really curious what a director's cut would do because I feel like it would probably mm-hmm. be more balanced and maybe perhaps work a little tighter, but I still largely enjoy this movie because it's just so much fun. And it's again, often not talked about as much as it should be. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know if I can go as high as a nine. I think I want to go with a seven for this one, which maybe feels a little low too, but I'm not quite sure. This this movie was hilarious. I love the jokes. I love all of the, especially like the in jokes and and all the other horror, uh, not cameos, but like call outs basically throughout it. Yeah, it did feel like it went on a little long to me though, and there were some parts that were just like I don't know. Maybe it's just because I was expecting a little more horror from it, and it just turned out to be not quite. Like I think towards the end of it, I made a, a note that like is this even horror? There's there's some gory bits happening and there are definitely some parts that are are suspenseful like the the, the typical horror but i think i just wanted a little bit more from it in terms of that aspect um but everything else like in terms of if 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 i this had been marketed to me more as a comedy movie um or not marketed to me but uh i think i would have had a little bit more enjoyment of it if that makes sense yeah I think it's really about setting expectations. And I think 
that gets into like the studio sort of meddling with it, making it more of a comedy than a horror movie. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that, yeah, I think if there were, if this, if what the Broken Lizard crew have said about there being like a director's cut, like I would be interested to see because I think this movie, you know, if that came out and people could see it for what their vision of it was, you know, mm-hmm. I think there would be a slightly more positive take on it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was maybe just even missing a little bit more of a plot thread to it to, to give it a bit more structure. Mm-hmm. But again, this is the first time I've seen this movie. So it, it's very possible on a rewatch, especially I think this movie would be perfect um, with a drink. Maybe not so much uh, with a with a joint, more so with a drink, I think. <laughs> and I think that's the spirit of the movie too, you know? There's yeah. another good line that I didn't write down, but I just remember because it was funny, where they're running away. I don't remember what part of the movie this is. Mm. And they're like, oh, oh, we gotta go to the shed. It's the most secure place on the island. It's where we keep all the booze. And that made me laugh a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, there's, there was one recurring gig that I always find pretty hilarious when I see it, but uh, it's like when there's like the liquid that kind of falls down the... Um, little shoot thing into their mouths and there's like the point near the end where like that's blood yeah <laughs> <laughs> which also gro- that part was pretty gross i like cringed at that yeah no it was uh i was like hmm that's definitely questionable uh but anyways uh cool well uh, steve where can people find you on the internet yes yeah. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Steeple Dead. Uh, my website is stevestebbing.ca, and I'm on the shift uh, nationwide across Canada every Thursday at 11 p.m. Pacific time with Shane Hewitt. Uh, and yeah, uh, I, I've got some stuff coming up. I just, I just really need the go ahead to talk about it, but it's going to be really exciting, uh, especially the one podcast I'm leading that definitely fits a niche. So I'm hoping to have some crossover uh, with Tremble on that one, too. Nice. Cool. I think I know which one you're talking about. I think you might have told me before. But we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk off air about it. Um, cool. And Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, on social media, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, my username is Cersianic. I Anytime I do another project, I'll post about it on my website, too, which is blog. Right now, the only main project I really have going on is my other podcast, which we aim to release every other Thursday, but it's a very casual, so sometimes sometimes we miss a week or two. But um, we have some fun some fun topics that we talk about, usually usually creepy and or kind of adjacent horror related. So it's fun. Yeah, nice. Uh, I'm over at threeangrynerds.com. Uh, we have uh, podcasts going up every week. Some uh, times we have a few uh, episodes going up per week. So lots of content there. Uh, I'm over on Twitter, Film Critic Kurt, and I'm over at uh, Letterboxd, Fatal Koala, where you can find out my opinion on Club Dread and many other movies. Uh, cool. Well, until next time, everyone. Bye for now.